Hello, this is Jason Serrano. Um, today, I will be talking about the final few chapters of Looking Like the Enemy. Um, I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners, even though it's only you, Miss Young, that yeah, I've had um, a pleasure recording both sessions of the podcast. My first group with Reagan, Emma, and Wyatt. That was super fun. And my second podcast now, um, which I'm sadly doing by myself. But it's okay. Um, Today I will talk about um, looking like the enemy. Of course, I'm going to repeat it. The last podcast. Um, This is from page 171 to 211. And um, it first started with chapter 15. I want to talk about how when her brother, Yonish, or however you pronounce his name, was deported on June, no, not deported, deployed on June 6th, 1994. And that was a few, a few months or a few years after the first internment camp, which they arrived at, which they had received the family number 19788. Um, he was deployed for a six month training span where he will learn how to use a gun how to fight how to hide everything that you need to go to war and um the daughter um she was also taken um to go also but for a nurse at the united states center nurse corp corps um to work as aid and as a medic for the people who were for the soldiers who were dying or were being hurt in combat and um, in Japanese family, going off to the military was a certain death, um, to sort of speak. Um, hugging is a hugging is a no in Japanese culture. You you usually bow first. You do a handshake and then a slight bow, depending who you're talking to. Um, so for them to be able to hug as soon as um. Papa-san and Mama-san heard that they weren't going to see their children again for a while. It was very, very heartbreaking to read that. Um, it shows um, how discriminatory it was at the time for Japanese-American soldiers to go fight their own people um, against their will um, because of something that had happened a few years be- be- before. Um, so I just thought it was really, really big. And it was a really big statement on how they hugged instead of doing slight bows. Um, her brother was part of the 442nd Regional Combat Team. And he was deployed for a few months. I'm going to almost a few years. And <clears throat> this story really jumps back and forth. A lot of the time, it had it immediately went from that to how Japanese lands were being seized from their people, especially during this time. So, like, their farm also was being seized. And um, ending at that chapter, I ended on chapter 15, starting 16. And her brother, Yonichi, never talked about his um, wartime experiences. This is a few, This is a few years after the war ended. He never talked about his wartime experiences because they were too, they were so brutal on him. Um, a lot of PTSD happens, especially during those times. 
um nisi i learned a new vocabulary word a nisi is a person born in the u.s or canada whose parents were immigrants from japan and i think that this ties in very strongly with racism and segregation because um racism we usually all think of slavery <coughs> sorry and we usually think of the n-word um, what black folks, uh, African-American citizens were called back in the days of slavery. So I think that was um, a more, I think that was more of a Japanese term to, you know, like to define a Japanese person. Um, he wanted, no, he went out, Yonichi went out to sea again. And stopped writing so much to his mom, dad, and sister. And he had worded things very, very carefully when he had written to them. Because war in France and traveling in Italy, it was very, very rough. Because especially they were so close to Germany and the Nazis. Um, it became very, very, became very, very unsafe for anyone anything especially a soldier to be traveling around in those times and after this they had pulled up a few facts about the about world war ii and articles had been published saying that approximately 17 million soldiers and um women and children had died 17 million that is a huge number that is um a bigger population than almost all Western states except California. July, uh, July 15th, 1945, the 442nd Regiment Combat Team was visited by, by Harry Truman, by President Harry Truman during that time. And um, her brother, Yonichi, was the only one to have gotten a Bronze Star. And Bronze Stars were a very, very big deal. Um, in that time, especially for a Japanese American, and it had ended there. And as I was reading chapter seventeen, I'd also noted that Mama and Papa Son had left on September fifth, back to Vashon Island, from from Minidaka, where they had been during all the time in the internment camps. Um, so I was glad for them to be able to go back to their homeland and be safe. Well, not really be safe because Japanese Americans were still segregated against during that time. I thought that to go back home, her mother and father, they were filled with eagerness and fear. Um, when they were filled with eagerness and fear to go back to their home island. And <clears throat> I had also noted that when they were writing letters, they had also written a few words um, tying into fear and eagerness at the same time, along with their feelings, because they were basically writing about how they feel. Even after the war ended in Japan, um, no, even after the war had ended, Japanese Americans still faced insane amounts of prejudice and segregation people were denied of basic human things
basic human rights. Um, they were just denied of a lot of things. There's just so many. Not, I can't even count them. And thank God times have passed and people don't think of Japanese Americans like that anymore. But there's still a lot of prejudice that is in today's world against Latino Americans like myself and African American folks. And you can see um, all of that happening today. So that's why we've created movements like Black Lives Matter, um, Latin Lives Matter. It's not really that much of a big movement like Black Lives Matter. But um, I just wanted to, <clears throat> damn, I'm sorry. I just wanted to bring it to light. And in 1947, um, I'm going back to the book. In 1947, she took her board, her well, her broad test for nursing because she had already been a nurse during those times. So she said, might as well get a job as a nurse because that's the only thing that she could probably work as anymore. And in 1954, Mama-san and Papa-san had both, um, they had both had to take tests to become legal in the U.S. again because all Japanese Americans were required to take that test. She had married, um, the author had married Charles E. Grunewald in 1951. I believe they had two or three kids. And the story kind of ended off with Mama San dying after the author went out to tend to the garden and she had came back and noticed that her mother's chest wasn't moving upwards anymore. I thought that was really, really sad on how um, her mom had just died like that after all that they'd been through. But I'm very glad that she died peacefully in her sleep. Um almost kind of calmly and the story ended off like that and i'm pretty sure that's it um thank you so much everyone that has been listening um i've enjoyed talking about this with you guys with my other groups and with you miss young um it's been an honor recording this and thank you